And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. And I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, you know I am just loving my boys up in the 716. But I was gifted tickets to the Buccaneers game. Nice. A little, well, a little bit of a quandary. Because those tickets are going to come on a Sunday when my Bills are playing the Patriots. Ah, yes. you got that game. You got yeah, that game. You don't need to go watch it. Whoa, whoa. They need all the support they can get. Just like the Buccaneers need all the support they can get as well. Actually, they're in a little bit of a two-game winning streak. But, you know, when I got these tickets, DVD, you know what, you know what came to mind? It was the preseason game that the Buccaneers – had with the New York Jets. Ooh, you go, you going old school back when I was living in Tampa. Going old school. That's what came to mind. That's the last time I went to a Bucks game. That's the <laughs> only time I went to a Bucks game. <laughs> but what was so funny about that one was not the game, not the tailgate, but it was what happened afterwards. Do you remember that? I do. I do. Cause, um, it, that is pretty, it's funny that you thought about that because, um, that, that was hilarious. That, that was hilarious, but you know, what's funny. It almost did happen. It's, well, but when we get into it, it almost did happen. If it wasn't for you tapping on my shoulder, saying risk first reward, oh, it was about to go down <laughs> before we went back to our seats. So let, let's go back in the way back in the time machine. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened because this was this was our hijinks, right? I, this is the stuff that we used to do. Now, we're both practical jokers, right? So we go to this game, and one of the things that, that we had said walking into the game, all right, we're not going to get in a fight, no altercations, right? We're, we're past that. Now we're the adults, right? You just go to enjoy the game, have a few beers, then leave the game and go home. Call it a day. And then somebody said something to you, didn't they? Yeah, as we were walking through, getting to the getting to the seats, because uh, I had my my jet jersey on. Somebody said something. Oh boy. Uh, and then my my guardian angel tapped me on my shoulder. Absolutely, risk versus reward, Stevie D. Risk versus reward. And then, but you kind of grabbed me and said, "Well, I'm not taking a chance for risk versus reward." And you kind of pushed me forward. So I didn't have time to turn around. So now, you kind of gave me that little now, speech just in imagine, my ear. Imagine if we were, what, 10 years younger, five years oh, younger. We, we would have been in a fight. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I definitely mellowed um, the older I got, you know, married, kid, you know, I've matured. But the best part of it, it was the next day because somehow we got those tickets from of one of our coworkers, <laughs> and we had put together this whole dramatic uh, scenario, and we told him. And, and actually, not only did we tell him, CVD, yeah, the letter had to pin a letter. Yeah, <laughs> we wrote a letter. So, for- I mean, think about this: we told him about the fight, like, 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 Larry. We don't know what's going to happen, but it, um, you may lose your season tickets. Well, what do you mean, right? And we, we set up the whole thing. So, you know, a guy got in my face, and we wound up getting to a you know, brouhaha at the stadium and get, get kind of thrown out. And but kind wait, of set Steve, the... Stevie D, I told him that you had been arrested. Oh. <laughs> I told him that you, that you had been arrested for getting into a fight. 
<laughs> so he was like, wait, what? I was like, oh, yeah. You, you should have seen it. You know, this guy who was just messing with him because he had the jet jersey on, and he got arrested. Yeah, because he worked in your building. He worked it, in your building, so you had really good access to him. It, it, that's right. <laughs> so then he's over on the side contemplating what just happened. I just gave these two knuckleheads tickets to a preseason game. So then <laughs> that's when supposedly you've been magically released from jail. Yeah. <laughs> and we send him this letter from the Tampa Bay Sports Authority. <laughs> and I wish I had the letter. I have it somewhere. I just don't have it at, at my disposal. But we sent him a letter to something of the extent of, Dear sir or madam, <laughs> based on the events that transpired over the weekend at, at the preseason game, we here at the Tampa Bay Sports Authority have a strict uh, family ordinance and a nonviolent policy. And thus, because you're being the owner of the seats, you have been found in violation. And thus, we are, uh, what, what did we say? We're removing your season ticket access, yeah. revoking your season tickets, something along those lines. And then we told him that he wouldn't, he would be forfeiting his PSL. <laughs> now stevie d this this plan was, was just so perfect the only thing that we messed up i signed it andre tippett <laughs> and for those younger patriot fans who have no clue about your patriot history that was a linebacker for your patriots back in what the 80s but i signed it andre tippett but i went through the <laughs> i went through all of the motions I had this this letter, you know, put into a manila uh, envelope. I had it mailed back to the location. So he got it at work. And Stevie D, you should have seen him read this letter. It, it, it was classic. First, he gets it hand-delivered by the receptionist up front. He starts reading the letter, and I'm just in my office just watching him. And it, you could just see him read line by line, just taking it all in. And then he gets to the point where, he finishes reading the letter. He sits there for probably about five minutes. That was the hilarious relief. part. That was hilarious because he, he, he got like pale white, like in disbelief. Like just think about it, you're reading a letter and you're done reading it. And then you kind of jerk back into your chair. Like, <sighs> like he just took it all in. Like, I can't believe I just lost the bucks. Now this game was in 2006. So what, the Bucks win the Super Bowl in 2002. There was still a lot of highs around the Bucks in, the, in that, that time period where they were still very popular. And he was a season ticket holder for a long time. And just watching him like, oh, my God, I just lost it all. I was, lost was it priceless. all. Like, I wish idiots. I had the video camera. <laughs> yeah, because of these idiots, yes. <laughs> so then you take, watch him, and he takes the, the letter, and he puts it in his desk. But he doesn't just gently place the letter. Oh, <laughs> He slams the test drawer, just bam. Everybody's looking around, and he's still just sitting there. And you can tell he's a powder keg, right? He's Michael Douglas in Walking Tall. Yeah, something's about to happen. <laughs> Florida's a right to carry state, I think, too. <laughs> we were going down, man. We were going down. And then he pulls the letter back out and has to reread it. He can't believe 
He's reading this thing. Oh, that was great. That was great. So, and for our listeners, we ended up letting them off the hook. We told them we were just joking around and thank you very much for the tickets and, and everything like that. But, oh, those are those are the heyday, Stevie D. Yeah, because we had to let them off the hook because this next call was to the Bucks. And all, we, all they needed to hear was like, what are you talking about, sir? <laughs> right? So we, we did have to let, let them off the hook. But that that was... That was really good. Really good. Now, for our listener base, if you enjoyed that story, I know we are a few months away, but just wait. We have the story of all stories. Yes, we do. The practical joke of all practical jokes. Absolutely. That that is a a, a top, top two, three all time for anybody right there. So yeah, you got to uh, come back on you got to come back on April Fool's Day to hear that one. Absolutely, absolutely. But okay, Stevie D, it is now time. Oh boy, <laughs> you know I'm telling you, we are such a loser franchise. I'm telling you, it is absolutely unbelievable. It's um, I think the Jets had just broken their own record. By how many times a team can lose to an 0 and 11 team in the, in 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 the history of a franchise? Um, it just seems like whenever we play somebody who's 0 and 11, we lose. But it's more than just that loss, right? Um, what what really bothered me in this game, there was there was a few 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 points, like so, the run game, right? If you look at the Bengals' run defense, they can't stop a nosebleed, okay? If I'm not mistaken, they're last in the NFL at 164 yards per game. Yep. Okay. The Jets decide to run the ball 12 times all game. Well, you're going to say, oh, well, they were getting their butts kicked, whatever. They ran the ball nine times in the first half against the worst-ranked run defense in the league. Out of those nine carries, now, in the game plan, and if you you look at the, the breakdown of the Bengals' defense, and where they give up their runs, right? You can either go up the middle, right side, left side, right? Up the middle, they're very, very strong up the middle. But you know, I think very strong up the middle. They don't give up yards up the middle. They give all their yards to the outside. But Adam Gates said, you know what? I'm going to game plan it this way. We all know they can't stop the run to the outside. They're probably just going to stack players to the outside. We can just run right up the middle because they're just, we know that they can stop it up the middle, but this game against the Jets, they're, they're going to protect for the outside and we can run up the middle. So we ran the ball nine times, nine times up the middle. <laughs> okay. We get nothing all game long. When we did get a run, we get a holding penalty to bring it back. Whose so, fault is that? Whose fault is it? Well, our offensive line is so bad, right? It's just we're bad. They were overmatched all game long. I mean, Carlos Dunlap owned um, Shell, our right tackle, just owned him. I mean, it, it was bad, um, but it was just an, an embarrassment. But but getting back to the run real quick, it it's it's the coach's fault, right? The head coach. I don't care what the offensive court. Well, he is the guy play caller, so. It, it, it falls on him, and it, it's almost like 
he wants to show that Le'Veon Bell is not the right running back. Mm. Like he mm. wants to show Joe Douglas and, and Chris Johnson that I told you mm. Le'Veon Bell is not my guy. Mm. And hold on a second. That that's that's a strong take there. Yeah, it is a strong take. I that's a that's a strong take because yes, you go back, you go back in the preseason, and there there was that squabble that was going on. You're right. I mean, it, it's it's mind blowing that the team that cannot stop a nosebleed to the outsides, we don't have one run play that's designed outside the tackles. We don't even try a reverse. We don't even try anything crazy plays to try and get the runs to the outside. We do that against other teams, but we didn't do it against the Bengals. Okay. So I, I have a, I have a big problem with his run calling and going up the middle. That's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. That's problem number one. Our offensive line is garbage. There's no secret there. It's garbage. They had six holding calls. I think it would have been seven, but one got overruled from some other penalty that was like an unsportsmanlike conduct. So we would have had seven holding calls. We had one in the end zone for a safety. Thank you, Kevin Beecham. So our offensive line was in shambles. But really, problem number two, Adam Gase. Okay. He can make no in-game adjustments. Like, if you look at some of the really, really talented coaches, and I'll use Belichick. When he's in a game, he will go over it. I'm not talking about a blowout, but we're talking about, man, you're in a game, you're in a dogfight. He will go over and work with his defensive players. He will he will do more than just stand there and have this look on his face like, well, I don't know what else to do. <sighs> These idiots, they can't do anything right. Because that's the look like he had on his face all game long. <sighs> Come on, right? And, and, and it, it's an embarrassment because he cannot make any in-game adjustments. Now, we all, we moved the ball. It's not like we, we could move the football. We had very bad, untimely penalties. But his in-game adjustments were garbage. And then our defense, uh, to me, I, I thought, again, no pass rush. We couldn't generate anything from a pass rush. It was embarrassing. We just couldn't do it. Our secondary showed that they have been playing well for a few weeks. And it's like almost they ran out of gas. Now, some of our second stringers did get banged up, but it didn't matter. They were they were throwing the ball all over the place before those guys got hurt. Um, it didn't help when they did get hurt. So I can't I can't say, well, oh, those injuries caused the Jets to give up all those plays. We were giving up those jet plays before they got hurt. Jamal Adams got hurt early in the game, played through it, and now he's week to week. Um but again, no pass rush. I thought we gave too much too much cushion to the receivers. Um, I think if if we jammed them a little bit, um, get them off their game just a little bit, adjust their their uh, kind of reroute their their routes a little bit, maybe could have made a difference to help the the front the front four get some pressure. But it was just a debacle. It was, it was so embarrassing. It, it, it's one of those we know who you we thought you were, right? You were one and seven a few weeks ago, and that three game winning streak just. It means nothing because you laid such an egg against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, what I'll say about the Cincinnati Bengals is that they definitely did not look like an 0-11 team, and maybe that's because they played a bad Jets football team. But they really, I think Andy Dalton infused that team because um, he came out 
he came out throwing the ball a little bit high, but you can definitely tell that there was energy with him behind center. Um, he had a fiery passion when things didn't go didn't go right. Not like like a lost and confused, more of a fiery. Hey, we got to get that corrected. So I thought he showed some leadership um, there for the Bengals, and I give the Bengals credit. They made the plays. We didn't. They didn't make penalties. We did. So we shot ourselves in the foot. In, in all honesty, it, it was an embarrassment for the organization. Um, but Joe Douglas, I'll tell you one thing: you better go get some linemen in this off season. You better so go Steve, get them. Stevie D, let me let me ask you a question. And certainly, you know, you you you've hit on some big points. I totally forgot about the whole Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase type yeah. of. I'm not going to call it a feud, but where Gates definitely didn't want him or didn't want him at that salary. But, you know, when I looked at that game, you know, we talk about trap games. I don't think that that was, I don't think that that was a trap game, but I think the game itself was a trap. What I mean by that, you had just come off of the blowout of, of the Oakland Raiders. I mean, just dominating win. Sam had played so well. The defense played so well. Everybody was clicking. You guys also were riding a winning streak. And last but not least, you guys are playing a winless, helpless team in the Bengals. So, you know, now now you see that. It it almost felt like a trap. It felt like overconfidence. I mean, it could be be an overconfidence because you're playing an 0-11 team. And right. then the biggest thing is Andy Dalton came back. So you you had a lot going against you. Should you have been that confident? Should you have been riding that high? No, eh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. And they're going to get embarrassed against Miami at home. Well, you're you're saying that you're saying that out of passion, frustration. They will get embarrassed. They will get embarrassed. You watch. Jamal Adams won't be playing, so you won't have your emotional leader on the defense. You already know you got no linebacking core, so our defense is is not going to be ready to go. I I don't believe it for a second. And and let's face it, um, when you're you're four and eight, and now you realize realize that there is no hope for anything. I just it's a recipe for disaster. And time for Fitzy. Yeah, Fitz, Fitz Magic coming back. He's looking to embarrass the Jets. So, anyway, uh, it just was disappointing. And um, uh, we just the Jets have a lot of work, which everybody knew from a Jet. Jet fans know there's a lot of work there. So, we'll see what happens. Well, Stevie D, I, I'd like to take the reins on this one because it was gobble, gobble day. Gobble, gobble day. I hope everybody enjoyed their turkey and ham, uh, their antipasta. I hope they enjoyed ah, their pumpkin chiffon pies, their macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah, all that good stuff. I hope the belly was full because the only thing that you heard after 4 o'clock was, Let's go. Stevie D, my boys on the primetime stage, my boys playing in front of the largest television audience came through and just absolutely laid the wood to the so-called America's team. Not only did they lay the wood, Stevie D, they put the final nail into the coffin for one Mr. Jason Garrett. It is over. 
It is over. He is hanging on by a thread. He is trying to wait it out and get a decision, but it's over. Everybody's going to the scorecards because they could not do anything with the Bills defense. They couldn't do anything with the Bills offense. Josh Allen had a heck of a game, especially his first game in prime time. That type of stage, you know, everybody was worried. How, how's he going to do? He couldn't wait. He he said his thing. Oh, I want to play on Thanksgiving. I want to eat a turkey leg. You know, a lot of pressure. Had family there. All the pressure in the world. And he came through with flying colors. Played like a baller. Devin Singletary was out there and just doing it. Showing America what we've been talking about for, you know, the last 10 weeks. Showing America that the Buffalo Bills are a force to be reckoned with. Yes, everybody wanted to go in on Buffalo and say, oh, well, you played a soft schedule. Well, you know, even I said that they were a fraud. I did. And I stand by those words because at the time, that team was not doing what they could be doing, what they should be doing, what everybody expected them to do. Because (laughs) there's no way that you lose to the Cleveland Browns. That just doesn't happen. There's no way that you get blown out by the Eagles. Now, I'm not saying that you don't, that there's a chance that you don't win that game. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. But the way you got beat, no, there's no excuses for that. But I'll tell you what, Stevie D, at each point throughout this season, there have been crossroads. And the Bills have made the right decision and they have progressed to that next step. When Buffalo played New England, that was probably Josh Allen's worst game of his career. He threw interceptions left and right. He looked lost. Was it the Patriots' D? Yeah, they have a good D, but it doesn't mean that you have to look lost out there. It just things just don't work. For Josh Allen, he looked lost. He was confused. He was throwing off the left foot, throwing off the right foot, throwing going backwards, throwing, you know, it was just ridiculous. And, you know, made the Patriots look better maybe than they really were or that they really are. Then you then you look at the the Philly game and when you lose to Philly you you just got manhandled and that told you that the team had the man up and i have seen a stark improvement in that offensive line since then really dominating the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball because i remember jordan howard just ran right through us the rookie running back that they had took it off for the what the the opening play of the second half you know going 60 yards on us So you see the defense getting stronger and playing better. And we're talking about a defense that was already playing lights out. They had a couple slip-ups. And then you look at the Cleveland game. The Cleveland game not necessarily was on the players. It was on the coaches. And now you see the coaches coaching better. I mentioned to you on the previous podcast, you got Brian Dable. He's up in the box. And now he's focused in. He's zoning in. I'm making good strategic play calls throughout the game, putting an emphasis on the run game where we were just a pass happy team, no balance, not giving the ball to Devin Singletary, which opens things up the, the, whether it be Dable or whether it be Josh Allen starting to spread the ball around, right? He was going to John Brown every play, which, you know, put John Brown as one of the leaders in the NFL as far as receiving. But, you know, you got some other guys on the team. Spread it out. And that's what he's doing. We've, saw, we've seen the emergence again of Cole Beasley. 
I think he's gone three straight games now with a, with a touchdown. And then you have Robert Foster, who seemed to be in the doghouse, right? That That's your speed guy, along with John Brown and Isaiah McKenzie. So they got a bunch of speed guys. But you got Robert Foster, and they're using him in different ways. So now the team is really starting to play together. Now they got a big game coming up, CBD. They got a big game. You know, a- after that whooping that they laid on the Cowboys, now they come home and they take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But I know, I know we're going to talk about that game later. You know, know the one thing about the Bills that that I've seen. I, I still haven't seen their signature win yet because the Cowboys are a mess. And um, but I, I'm not going to take anything away from Buffalo because they're nine and three. Is that I think after the game, we just saw what Cole Beasley in the locker room and how they how generally excited those players were for Cole. And then how they lifted them and, and they kind of carried them old school, like yeah. uh, like like you were in the mosh pits back in the day. I, I think there's true brotherhood there. Um, I, I saw a couple of defensive players going up to Josh Allen, uh, especially at the end of the game with the turkey leg. I, I think they're they're playing for each other and they they're creating this brotherhood bond in the locker room that that is needed to go deep in, in into the playoffs and, and if not beyond. And I'm starting to see that with Buffalo, right? Josh Allen is is making really good, smart decisions. Look, does he have a mess up every now and again? Sure, he's a young quarterback. But if you look at overall where he was from week three to where he is now, it's he's securing the ball better. He's not fumbling as much as he was early in the first half of the year, right? But he's making much – better sound decisions you can say it's part of your play calling better balance with the run but everything is just working for buffalo right now and they're they're an exciting team heck you even got rodney harrison to uh, uh don't right? get me started on him <laughs> you, you, you know we had a nice family show and now you want to bring up that name but but I, I, right i i know you're, you're not a fan there um because he's called out buffalo in the past but Really, that's my takeaway from Buffalo because, you know, you hit on all the points. I'm not going to reiterate your points. You know your Buffalo Bills in and out very well. But my takeaway was what I saw on the sidelines during the game, what I saw post-game during the turkey celebration, what I saw in the locker room. And what I saw was was it's a team of one, not a team of 53. It's Everybody's playing as one. That's and right. it's a really good cohesive unit. And that's what makes teams special. Yeah, absolutely right. It, you know, let me just touch on this last point real quick. You, you mentioned Rodney Harrison. So now that Buffalo is, you know, you didn't call it a signature win, but for the season, I would call this their signature win, right? You're going on national television. You're playing against America's sweetheart, you know, America's team, quote unquote, I'm doing finger quotes, and, and you laid a whooping. So Did, people are starting. Any team that lost to the Jets? In the same season, <laughs> I, I, I can't call a signature win. <laughs> but they, you know, now all of a sudden you're starting to get that media attention. We we've been talking about obviously being a Bills fan here, Jets fan over there, AFC East, but we've been talking about them. But now you know you're getting the the Rodney Harrisons of the world, the Tony Dungies, the national sports talk radio. Now they have their game flexed, right? They they. After the Baltimore game, they played Pittsburgh. That game was flexed to Sunday night. And boy, do I get my two favorites. 
Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Oh, boy, I can't wait for that one. Let me tell you, and, and truly I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, I can't stand Al Michaels. West Coast homer, can't stand the teams of the East Coast unless your name is the New England Patriots, which he just kisses up to Belichick, kisses up to Robert Kraft, kisses up to Tom Brady. Oh, he's such a joke. He's a waste. He is hanging on by a thread because do you believe in miracles? All right, well, you know, that was 40 years ago. You know, enough of that. You know, do something that's real. Besides sit there and want to talk about the West Coast teams and talk about the Patriots. And Collinsworth, like, I don't know. I digress, Stevie D. I know, so, I know. There, there, there's definitely some good matchups this weekend, and, and we're going to cover them here in a little bit. And I'm just expo- excited about a, a good, good weekend of football. Yeah, absolutely. So, Stevie D, there's some big happenings in the NFL. And, you know, we're going to talk about the games this week coming up and, and shortly, but Riverboat Ron got run. Yeah, you know, um, I was a little hot under the collar, I, I have to admit, uh, when I first heard the news. Um, I thought it was um, one of those moves where you're firing your, your coach who lost their starting quarterback uh, in the beginning of the season. He's been dealing with a backup all year. And, yes, it's fallen apart a little bit late here in the season. But again, he's with a, a no-name backup quarterback kind of leading the way. So I was kind of upset that way. But when I dove into the numbers, uh, when I look at his career winning percentage, um, he's something like 73 and 62 or something. And if you take away that 15 and one season, you know, he's a 500 coach. So um, and then when I listened to the owner speak, it, it made me feel a little bit better about the decision to move on from 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 Riverboat Ron. So but either way, it, it shocked me when I first heard the news, obviously. And honestly, it, it gives him a leg up in the offseason. And I, I wonder, I'll, I'm gonna ask you this, is does this start more of a trend going forward? We've been where it's not that we haven't seen coaches fired during the season, but when you know you're gonna make a change with four games left, You've now given yourself a four-week lead time over everybody else to line up candidates or whatever you want to do. Sure, sure. So, let first let me go back into to Ron Rivera, right? Because when when you first approached me, you were like, "I'm upset." Yeah, I was hot. Like, why are you upset? <laughs> you know, he, here's a guy that really can't get right. He's had what three winning seasons in, in nine years. Um. Yeah, he took his team to the playoffs, so they took him to the Super Bowl. He didn't win, and, you know, you, you haven't put it together. Yes, he, he is definitely a victim of Cam Newton uh, and his, what is it, Liz Frank injury. Definitely, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, I look at the end of the day, Ron Rivera hasn't really moved the needle for me because you, you're – in a division, tough division, I'll give you that, but that's a division historically that has been worst to first, you know, every every year. And, and they they were benefactors of that. But, you know, quite possibly he could be failing because he lost Sean McDermott. <laughs> and and I'm not being facetious or, or saying that in jest. I mean, yeah, Sean McDermott was the one that was running his defense. And now that Sean McDermott's gone. Um, he's, you know, you have Cam who's hurt. You have Greg Olson, who is always hurt. Luke Keekley is always hurt. 
you know, you have an old team. Um, you know, you you were able to get Christian McCaffrey, who 99 in Madden, so that that's enough right there. Uh, but that's it. That's it. Their wide receiver core when when Steve Smith left has not been the same. They drafted Kelvin Benjamin, who was good his first year, but that was it. You know, you have guys like Devin Funches as your lead receiver, and you expect to be good. You know, you, you just – they don't – they have not – and I don't put it – I don't really put it on Ron Rivera as much as I put it on the GM for the Panthers that they haven't really done the right things there. Right, and that, that's what kind of got me, you know, a little bit hot. You know, Ron was like the scapegoat um for the lack of the gm doing their job and so that yeah. was part of the reason why I, I was a little hot but like any owner i think he gave ron two years he's a new owner right because the other guy got kicked out richardson yep and so ooh, i, I got a story about about richardson it'll be offline though <laughs> <laughs> and so um I just look at it as this guy's trying to make a, a statement saying, I'm not happy where the franchise is going and it's a change of direction. He waited two years. Um, and so I can't kill the guy. He, he He's the owner and, and he feels that it's time for him to put his stamp on the team as in his words. So Ron's out and it is what it is. So with Ron being out, the question really is, is what happens to general manager marty herney he stays he stays um so the the owner came out and said that he's going to stay but they're going to bring him in some help on on uh scouting in, in certain areas where the owner feels that he could use the help how does he stay though help me understand how does he stay when you haven't addressed the needs of the team how does he stay well you can also look at it as um, he wants to uh, keep him for maybe some stability in the organization, but look to transition him out with some of these other people that he may be bringing in. Right? Okay. He says that now, right? But we all have seen where everybody says, oh, we're going to keep somebody. And then next thing you know, they're out. So I think that's more to the story that's going to come. But the article that I read today talked about, the GM's name. It, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that how that wraps up there. Uh, you I, know, I heard Hugh. I heard Hugh sent the email over. Um, he wants to get his name in the ring there. You know, we we need to do whatever we can do to get Hugh back in the league. Yeah, we we need to do it. If we need to start a campaign, get a petition. If we need to make phone calls to the the Carolina Panthers front office. If we need to be the ones to pick up the phone and call Marty Herney and say, hey, I got a guy for you. And his name is Hugh. Can't go wrong with Hugh. Well, everything can go wrong with you. <laughs> so, Stevie D, we were treated to what should have been a classic. Unfortunately, Mother Nature decided to join the party as well. You know what yeah, I'm talking I'm, about? Huh? I'm, yeah, I, I, I was kind of disappointing about the rain. And I think I know where, which game you're going to talk about was the game of the week. Absolutely. So. The the 49er Raven game. Wow, man. Wow. You had, 
you know, these two high powered defenses, you had, uh, what, do, what do you call it? The irresistible force versus the unmovable object. You know, you had all that and it turned out to be a pretty good game. It really did. Uh, both teams played well, both defenses played really well. And even though you had the monsoon, uh, that ball was flying through the air a little bit, definitely for both teams. And it wasn't a turnover fest. No, it wasn't. Right. When you think of rain like that, you you think with the ball getting wet and all that, you'd see a lot more um, fumbles and turnovers. And so that wasn't uh, the case in that game. But I think the defense has shined on both sides of the ball. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, baby. That's my boy. Uh, my boy you know, right there. You know, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you after watching this game, it was a it, monsoon. You're gonna, oh, I can't yeah. even believe. No, that. I, you know, after watching this game, I, I have come to the conclusion that I'm right. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm you right. Can't use that game. I cannot using, use that I'm, game. I'm not using just that. No, wait, game. wait until he plays Buffalo. Oh, I can't wait for that game. Oh, I can't either. I well, I need I need to talk to Leslie Frazier. I need to talk to Sean McDermott. And I'm gonna tell them I hey, I've been watching the all 22. I've been watching game film of the Baltimore Ravens, and I can tell you how we could shut down Lamar Jackson. It's easy. You have to tell your defensive ends to stay at home. That's the first thing. Next thing, I would run a three-four. And I'd have my linebackers there, you know, ready for a container, ready for outside. Here's the other thing that I do, Stevie D. I play cover one. I go man on the outside, and I'd bring in a safety as a rover who would play a spy. Here's here's why. The Ravens, in, in as much as Lamar has thrown deep, the Ravens' passing game is nothing but angle routes and nothing but tight end seam passes or tight end crosses. This guy, Andrews, is putting up Mega numbers. Yeah, that's right. Andrews is putting up mega numbers for the Ravens in the past game. It reminds you of the old 1984 Oklahoma Sooners. They're running wishbone offense. They're running triple option. Either they're going to hand it off to Mark Ingram or they're going to do a read option with Lamar Jackson or they're going to do a power run with Lamar Jackson, or they're going to do a play-action fake and throw to Mark Edwards. That's it. That's it. That's their offense. Okay, and, and, and the Patriot offense is what? That won them six Super Bowls. So if it works, you remember the movie Remember the Titans? I do. Okay. Do you remember the coach's name? Ooh, Herman, Herman Boone. Okay. Okay, just make sure everybody's there. What did he say in the movie? I got six plays. They just okay. work. Okay. And, and I got, on I the got six defensive schemes. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if you can stop it. And you know what? We're going to see in a couple of weeks. And we're going to see. So all that trash talking about Lamar Jackson. And you're trash talking. But here, here's moreover, here's what I'll say. Lamar Jackson did his damage in the first half. When it came time for that second half and, and that 49ers uh, defense came out of the locker room, 
it was a completely different yeah. Yeah, they made 49ers defense. They made a huge adjustment. Right. Now, all of a sudden, when, when Lamar Jackson was trying to roll out, you had defensive ends trying to put that were forcing him to either go wide or go back. All of a sudden, you know, these runs that he was breaking for 10 to 12 yards, all of a sudden were two yard gain, three yard gain, or negative. So if they would have had more time, right, quote unquote, or if they would have schemed differently for the first half, they would have won that game, hands down. They would have taken those six plays that the Ravens run and and had Greg Roman going back through his playbook like, oh crap, what a, what a, what do we call here now? Right? A scene, a scene by the uh by the wide receiver? We we've never called that before. We don't run that in practice. We're not used to that. It, it, they, he can be stopped. Absolutely, he can right. be stopped. And, and the 49ers' defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right. And Buffalo's defense is pretty good. And we'll see when they play if you're able to win the game. Because you're okay. not playing just Lamar Jackson. You're playing the whole team. It, this is correct. This so, is absolutely correct. I just think I'm that just, the four, I think the 49ers, I will say this. Everybody's saying that this game is a precursor to uh, the, the Super Bowl. It very well may be. And if it is, the 49ers are winning that Super Bowl. Well, I always like the rematch, the, the team on the rematch side of the fence winning the game. Right. But the, the, the 49ers have a good defense. They played in horrible conditions. And at the end of the day, you take the win and you move on. Because every game is different. So when you play them, maybe the weather is good, and we can, and we'll see what what he can do against the Buffalo defense in 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 good weather. I mean, if it's bad weather, we'll we'll still see, and then you'll have your you have your shot to see him right there. Absolutely, up close, personal, and yeah. then after that, we will have given the game plan because then the Jets will play them. I oh god, it's not gonna <laughs> be pretty. It is not going to be pretty. Speaking of pretty. You know, you, you, everybody always wants to date the prom queen, right? Sometimes a prom queen doesn't win, and then you get the backup, and you're like, ooh, she's hot, right? And so they want to date her. Well, Jacksonville is dating the hot backup, and I think 12 o'clock has struck because Mr. Nick Foles has been moved to the bench. Good. Garden Minshew is now your starting quarterback. CBD, you just said good. Good. I'll tell you what. I said that they shouldn't have brought when he was healthy, that they shouldn't have made the change. That's right. It, it, it was not the right time. I would have let Gardner Minshew play himself out of that position and then put Nick Foles back in. However, I would have let Gardner Minshew play until he played himself into the starting role full time. Well, I think he let Nick Foles do that for him. <laughs> But so here's the question, though, Stevie, and this is the big question. All right, so yeah, we have a mini quarterback controversy. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. We're we're sitting at four and seven or four and eight, whatever they are. But now, what are you doing to this team for 2020? Who's your starting quarterback? Are you going to go in with both guys? And we were talking about there is no way 
that you could go in with Nick Foles on the bench. There's no way. Well, you can't cut him and you can't trade him. So this is what you got. You got two quarterbacks on the roster. And the total tally for 2019 is a total of $24 million for that position. It doesn't matter who plays. You've already dedicated $24 million to that position. So the best person that gives you the chance to win just happens to be the guy making no money. (laughs) You play him. And you go into next year, you can't do anything about it. You play the guy that can win you the football games because again, you already have the dedicated money. There's nothing you can do about it. So are you going to penalize the team because you're going to go with the mistake? You made one mistake already by giving Nick Foles that huge contract. So that's mistake number one. So you're going to compound the mistake and say, you know what? Because we're paying him the money, we're still going to play him. But meanwhile, you got Garner that kind of infuses life into that franchise. So, Stevie D, let, let me just share some numbers for you because it's it's just funny. It's just funny. They both are are on a four-year deal, okay? Gardner Minshew is making $2,700,000. Nick Foles is making $88 million. Over okay. four years. Over four years. Let me just give you the averages. Twenty-two million. That's easy. That's man. not bad. I said twenty-four million combined. That was actually twenty-four point seven million. That was pretty, pretty to six hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars. Oh, that was the total <laughs> of his contract. That's my bad. So, so the the disparity alone doesn't mean no, anything. Doesn't it mean it does. No, it, it doesn't. Does. Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe gets hurt, making all that kind of money. Tom, the six-round pick, Tom Brady. Tom Brady yeah. stays in when Bledsoe gets back. Rest is history. Bledsoe was making a ton of money when that injury happened, but he didn't have that much time left on that deal. Doesn't matter. Well, it does. It does. This is the first year of the eighty-eight million dollar contract. But it doesn't matter. It's the best guy that's giving you the best chance to win. Now, I'm not saying Nick Foles is the worst quarterback of all time, and 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 he can't get it done. Maybe he just can't happen this year. And you go into training camp next year and you let him fight it out over training camp. I, I don't know. But to say, because he's making $88 million, that he has to be my starting quarterback. All I'm saying is you're, you can compound your mistake by not giving Gardner Minshew if he's able to do it. I don't know if Gardner Minshew is the next coming. It's not like he lit it up, but he definitely gave a spark to that franchise. There's no he's, doubt. There's he's no got doubt. a little magic in him. Right, there's some players that play this league have no magic, Mark Sanchez, and then <laughs> you got guys like Gardner Minshew that it brings excitement and and he finds a different way to win and it's exciting, not only for the for the team and the players but for the fan base because it's all of a sudden he he's the talk of the NFL. But CVD, I don't disagree with you. I I that part I don't disagree with. The part where I disagree is that when I look at my roster, when I look at my cap space, when I look at how I'm going to improve this team that is, what, two years removed from the AFC championship game, how do I improve that team? Well, I've already gotten rid of Jettison, one of the top defensive pl- defensive players in the league, just got rid of him. I have other players that, you know, one guy is, they have no idea what's going on with him, right? He, he's on the reserve retired list. 
You have other guys that are out because of injury. I, I have to almost rebuild my defense again. I have to address my offensive woes because I don't have a strong offensive team. So I, I'm redoing everything, and I have no money because I put $88 million into a guy. Again, I, I'm the, the not going to sit with $88 million listening through. Yes. No, yes. he's not yes. going to stand on the sideline. Yes, he to has to. He has to. Again, no. you already committed that money. Why does it matter who plays? So you're just you're just not going to play a, a guy that gives you a better chance to win because you're paying the other guy eighty eight million dollars over four years. It's the Absolute, wrong answer. Absolutely, everybody should I be am. fired. Everybody should be fired. Absolutely, I am. Everybody should be I, I fired. Gonna, nope. I'm going to ride with him. Nope. And nope. He's going to get ride out for of what? So you so you can go five and eleven. Well, I, I potentially I'm going to go five and eleven with Gardner Minshew. You're right. You don't know what Gardner Minshew is going to give you, but that wasn't that wasn't the the case. The case is the the argument that's being made is if you have a better your backup quarterback is better than your starter, and the, the salary ratio is twenty two million per to six hundred and eighty thousand per, it shouldn't matter the salary. It should not matter the salary because you already made the mistake. You can't undo that change. You can't do that. You can't cut them. You can't trade them. So you're, you're living with that mistake. So to me, if you stay with the mistake by the lake, yeah, you're not moving your franchise forward if you have a better option at quarterback. Because at the end of the day, the position is worth $22.67 million. To me, that's all that is. That's a number of what I pay my quarterbacks. I don't care who's starting. I don't care who's starting as long as I'm winning football games. Because that money's there no matter what. I can't do anything about it. And money is there. It's it's there, it, but there's it, nothing it you can do about it. absolutely there. But there's nothing you can do about sure it. Sure it is. You, you can tell but, that guy to get out there and go make some plays. No, that, you can't. <laughs> you yeah, okay. That's I wish that was do. the magic answer for all the time somebody well, signs a free agent. I'm going to tell you that that's the move you're going you're going to have to play. You tell him, let me show you a video of Scott Mitchell. You are not going to be this guy. Let me show you a video of do, Rob do you Johnson. Think he really cares? You are not going to be this guy. You have paid Nick Foles for what he did in the Super Bowl, not what he's going to do. Mistake number one. You pay on past performance. Nick Foles was garbage everywhere he's been. Outside of a Andy Reid slash Doug Peterson offensive play, uh, offensive um, system. Agreed. Ag- absolutely agree. So they already made the mistake. You compound the mistake if Gardner Minshew outplays Nick Foles and you stick with Nick Foles. Okay. I, I will see you there. And I'm also going to see David Caldwell in the unemployment line then. Yeah, that, but that uh, along hey, with Doug Marone, they all should be fired. Along with all, Tom Coughlin, Foles, all of them. If I'm was it Khan, um, Shad Khan, yeah, Shad Khan, first name. Um, so, so Khan, if I'm him, I bring them all in there. You guys now owe me eighty-eight million dollars. Absolutely, I'm recouping. I'm recouping that money somehow, some way. Either, either I'm recouping it by throwing Nick Foles out there every single week until he can throw a touchdown pass, or everybody's gone. Everybody's, everybody's gone, gone. But I don't stay in Nick Foles. I don't I do not do that. 
because you could be having the next coming of a quarterback sitting the bench because you want to play the $88 million man. That's the wrong answer. That's the wrong thing for a franchise. You know, the only that good money's thing... already committed to the position. It doesn't matter. If Gardner Minshew, stay with me on this one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have a little fun with this. Let's say he finishes the year and does pretty good. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden he goes in, he matures. He goes into the next year. The Jaguars go 12 and four with Gardner Minshew. Okay. Go 12 and four with Gardner Minshew making 607. Do you really care that the backup is making 670 when you went 12 and four? You don't. Because all you know is that the position, the position is paid 22.67 and they led me to a 12 and four record. So there's two things with that. There's two things. And and the the last one is the one that puts a smile on my face. It's going to be very difficult to go 12 and four when you have still 66 million tied up into a backup. Uh, look, I, I was playing hypothetical. I'm just playing I, hypothetical. I, no, I, I don't think you. the Jaguars – they're not it's, going 12 and 4 with Doug Marone. It, well, I, now, now you're taking the smile on my face. Uh, but I don't even think they go 8-8. Eight eight no. I, I, because I, you don't have the money to get the guys on the roster who can help improve this team, regardless of what Gardner Minshew does. So, okay. so But you're saying the roster as a whole is a problem, right? Because – Look, you already signed. If Nick Foles, you thought Nick Foles was any good, you already committed that $22 million. So you still had to figure out what what you're going to do with the rest of the team anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where I I think you and I are not firing together on this is because at the end of the day, that $22 million is not going to hinder your team. Well, because that's if, that's the, if the backup, right. we're, we're not firing because I'm right. No, you're not right. Because if Gardner <laughs> Minshew, if Gardner Minshew, Turns out to be a decent quarterback. You can't say that that twenty-two million dollars is necessarily hurting your team, okay? Because at this last offseason, you committed. Oh, Nick Foles is going to second coming. I'm going to pay him twenty-two million dollars a year. But but the problem so, that I'm going to have though is that Gardner Minshew can only do so much, right? right? Josh Allen could only do so much with that Bills roster that he had last year. What did they do in the offseason? They went out and got Cole Beasley. They went out and got John Brown. They drafted Dawson Knox. But John they, Brown wasn't expensive. Cole Beasley's not expensive. Well, now you put the money they, into your offensive enough, line. Enough. They got Mitch Morse. Absolutely. They they put the money of the cap room that they had. They made wise, smart decisions. And, but yeah, they were I, they had they had money. Do, I, do you know? Did, I don't know what their salary cap. They didn't have twenty two million tied up in the one player. They actually made the smart move, uh, you know, to save them some money with the release in Tyrod Taylor. I'm not here to talk about what the Bills did. What I'm what I'm really saying is when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you're going to hold on, which at the guarantees that he has, Nick Foles is, is going to be the albatross around the neck of the Jacksonville Jaguars because they can't get better with what the limited resources that they have to try to go out and get the players to get better. Okay, hold on. Stay with me on this one then. And I know we we want to move on to the next topic, but my this is my well, my final point to that. Let me let me give you my smile. Let okay. me just give you my smile. Okay. My smile is the fact that this is happening to Doug Marone. <laughs> I love it. I know. I hear you. Um but what what I'm what I'm saying is is let's say Nick Foles was playing good offensively. Okay, and he's the starting quarterback. You go into next year, but you're not winning football games for whatever reason. 
Okay. Right. Uh, receivers are fumbling the football. Um, offensive line, he's playing good, uh, but the running game is not where it needs to be, and he can't sneak out an, enough points for a W. But he's throwing at 72%. Uh, completion percentage his touchdown to interception ratio is is more than two to one and the defense is not playing so good would you say that his contract's a hindrance then yes how you would not <laughs> no, say, that. No, no. No. <laughs> say that there's no way you would say that i had to think about that one for a minute yeah. yes yeah, no, no, no in, in, in all in all fairness, no, and I would not. $22 million for a starting quarterback is not a lot of money in the league. I, I would not say that his contract is a hindrance. What I would then be doing is looking at other positions where potentially I have overpaid and that I'm not getting the production based off of uh, the salary that they have. Now, that Campbell. I will agree with. I will agree with that from a quarterback position in that statement you just made. The problem is there's nothing you can do about it right now. Absolutely. But I have to look at, so to your scenario, I'm looking at a Calais Campbell. I'm looking at a Miles Jack, right? I'm looking at a Marcel Darius. I'm paying these three guys alone, these three guys alone, an average of $15 million. I'm not seeing $15 million worth of production. So, yeah, if, if to your point, if Nick Foles came out and he was putting up numbers, but I'm still losing, then I'm going back on the other side of the ball and I'm trying to figure out, where can I cut this dead weight? Right. All I'm saying is, is because that money can't go anywhere, it's already dedicated for 2020 at $22.67 million. I, there's nothing I can do about that. But I'm not going to compound the situation by putting in Nick Foles if he's not giving me the better chance to win. Okay. So I, 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 I just feel like we're not on, on the same – and that's fine. It, it's just – one of those agree to disagree moments because I understand what you're saying. And it, it makes sense. But in, in the end, in my, my own little world that I, that I live in, I just look at that money. I can't touch. It's guaranteed there. So I don't want to have a kumbaya moment. I see what you're saying. I get it. I do. Kumbaya I completely. Yeah, absolutely. Here kumbaya. it goes. <laughs> but I see it. I get it. But I, I have to, I don't know. We, we're looking at our risk versus reward. We're looking at, you know, uh, all the It's analytics. called everybody's trying to CYA and cover their butts over yes, the they, million dollars. Yes, they and are. And we're going to play them. Yes, they are. in this offseason. Oh, but, boy. But, but but that's And that's what pisses me off about it is because you're, they're, the front office will look at it that way. Instead of saying, what if we would actually develop Gardner Minshew? And all of a sudden, we have the next. The next starting quarterback of our franchise, right here. But why, we don't. Why but we are too prideful to play him because we paid the other guy eighty. We overpaid a guy eighty-eight million dollars. All right. So, so the last, the last thing we'll say about this one, we we, we got to wrap this one up. But the last thing we'll say: What happens in the locker room? They want Gardner. The, the folks in the locker room want Gardner Minshew. Okay, so they want Gardner. Now, let me ask you about the guy that's making $5 million, that's busting his butt, that's making all kinds of tackles and everything else, wants to renegotiate, and they tell him, we don't have enough money. It's the economics of the game. And he says, but you're willing to pay this guy $22 million to sit the bench. 
Yeah. If you can play quarterback, maybe I could have paid you $22 million. Yeah, but, yeah that's like that's like being that left-handed pitcher, right? But we've seen this in all sports where you pay a guy all this money and he doesn't perform. Right? Yeah, I mean, we I've do. seen it time and time with the Yankees. Jacoby Ellsbury robbing the Yankees. Right? And you, you have Aaron Judge making $500,000, hitting 52 home runs, and you got Jacoby Ellsbury making $22 million, and he's never on the field. Yeah, that's and fair. He's batting two thirty. So, I mean, you're always going to have those disparities in salaries, and some people get screwed on that side of the deal. What I say is, is when it's time to renegotiate or, or redo a contract, you're going to go somewhere else because you're going to get paid by another team. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So we beat this one to death. But it was a good to conversation, death. though. It was. You know, I'm I'm always right, though. So oh, that's come okay. on. <laughs> Hey, if you guys listen to that, tweet us and see who won that battle. <laughs> so, yes, at Real OW Sports. Stevie D. <laughs> so, Stevie D, it is time for our picks. And the first – J-E-T-S. Oh, oh, we're not covering that game this week. Yeah, we're <laughs> – so we got some heavy hitters out there. And, you know, what I do like – and maybe it's the way that they're doing the schedule, but you know, at the end of the year, you got some really pivotal matchups. You know, we had some big ones last week. You know, we had maybe the precursor to the Super Bowl. We had the Texans that that just dominated and, and destroyed the Patriots, even though the score looked closer. But this week, this week, we start off with Bills Ravens. You know, Stevie D, I'm just gonna make the case. I'm going with the Bills. The Bills are coming off of a 10-day layoff. They played on Thursday after destroying the Cowboys. But they're they're coming off of a 10-day layoff. They're at home. They were able to, everybody, able to fully game plan for the Ravens. They were able to game plan for Lamar Jackson. And if they really were watching the film, they saw what the 49ers did in the second half of that game. They saw how you could turn Lamar Jackson into more of a stationary, not completely stationary, but to more of a stationary type quarterback. You saw who his go-to weapons were from the aerial attack. Now, the question is, can you keep it up for 60 minutes? That's a big question, right? Because all Lamar needs is just that slight crack. And if that defensive end comes crashing in on the run, that's it, right? We know that he can take it 80. He can take it 60. He, He can go to the house. So you have to be careful there. But I look at that Bills defense, a prideful Bills defense, starting to get the national exposure, a team that was getting ridiculed based on the run defense that they were giving up big chunks to these different teams out there. And now they're ready. And I got to tell you, I like the way that Brian Dable is calling the offense. You know, that that Ravens defense is going to be just as tough. I think the score is going to be something very similar to what we saw in the San Francisco game. I think it's going to be around that 17 to 20 points. And I think the first team to 20 is going to win this game. And I like the Buffalo Bills beating the Baltimore Ravens. Wow, it's a pretty good argument. Uh, but I'm taking the Ravens. Of course you would. I wouldn't expect <laughs> anything different. Well, I picked to get your team last week and it worked out well for you. So absolutely. So I let's keep the, the trend. Let's That's keep the trend. There you go. Next <laughs> game we got CVD Saints in the 49ers. Yeah, uh Saints at home against the Niners. Um, 
there's a couple of really cool cool things about this game, right? Uh, you got Michael Thomas versus Richard Sherman. I like that. Kind of see how that matchup goes. Um, honestly, the the 49ers, I think from a defensive standpoint, I like that they're playing in the dome where the defense can really go get after it, um, getting out of that rain there. Um, I do like their front four. I like their pass rush. I think the um, Saints defense matches up very well against the Saints offensively. Um, I still don't think the Saints are still in in that um, that that mode now that Drew Brees has gotten back in. I, I just haven't seen their their mojo altogether yet since since um, Drew Brees has come back. Um, the Saints secondary again, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't necessarily light it up, but again, the Saints secondary has been on a little bit of a decline uh, in recent weeks. So I, I think the 49ers can uh, exploit that a little bit. And and really, can the Saints pass rush? Can they be? Can they get enough pressure on Jimmy G to get him off his game uh, enough where they can force the Niners into mistakes, where the Saints can take advantage and possibly get some turnovers and, and flip the script on the 49ers? Because I just think I I just I just think the Niners overall are a better football team up and down, and and so I have the 49ers in this game. Okay. So you mentioned Richard Sherman. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. I like Michael Thomas. I like Drew Brees. I'm taking the Saints. Hands down. Give me the Saints. Okay. Stevie D. This is a big game. It is. It is. This is this is in your hometown? Is this in your hometown? No, this is in New England. This is in New England. Oh. 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 That may change everything. So we get the thing. We we have the Patriots versus the Chiefs. What do you got on this one, Stevie D? I I got to think about this one for a minute. All right. So I see the Patriot offense in in shambles, absolute shambles right now. I don't think they'll get it fixed by Sunday. Um, I, I just think the wide receivers, they're young, they're, they're, they're just not in sync. Their offense is just not in sync. You can see the frustration in Josh McDaniels. Uh, you can hear it in Tom Brady. I'm not saying that the receivers aren't working hard. They're just not in sync. Um, and and I, I know Steve Mariucci kind of said it well the other day on, on the NFL Network, is that you need time with these receivers with the quarterback. It, there's timing. There's things in play. If you if you if anybody who watched the Patriots game, I don't know if I've ever seen Tom Brady throw as many incomplete passes in areas of the field where there was no receiver, where he thought the guy was going to do an out and the guy did an in and he throws the ball and there's no nobody there. It was it was rampant over the weekend. Hey, those, I got a, a I got a question. Things. I got a question for you because I I sent you a text on this. There were multiple passes where Brady dropped back in the pocket, yeah. was still in the pocket. Threw the ball just into an open area. Yeah, but he, no, he threw it forty yards down the yeah. field. Yeah, because how, the receiver that's not ground. Well, that's I, not grounding. It, it could be classified as grounding, but again, the receiver's going in the wrong direction. Okay, but still, how come that's not grounding? Well, it's not grounding if there's not enough. If the pass rush isn't there to make the sack, I think you have to be on the duress when you make that throw. Right. Okay. So I think that's why it's not called in, in, intentional grounding because you're not trying to evade a sack by throwing the ball away. So, okay. so to me, they're, they're just all all out of sync right now. 
And I, I look at the Chiefs and I say, okay, the Chiefs are getting healthy. And yes, it's in New England. And yes, most likely somebody's going to call in a a bomb threat. <laughs> to hotel. Um, the headsets will miraculously not work on the sidelines this weekend. Um, a la Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, they always say that whenever they come to New England, they can expect something funny. And that's just the Patriot way. Something odd is going to happen. You're going but, down in two weeks, Mike Tomlin. No. Okay, I'm sorry. And, and so I, I look at the Chiefs as getting healthy and with the Patriots offense not in sync and as bad as the Chiefs defense. And look, all the people in Kansas City, oh, the Chiefs defense is getting better. No, you're not getting better. Okay. You played a, a Raiders team that's out of sync. The Jets held the Raiders to three points. Not a big deal. The other game a couple of weeks ago, you played somebody, you gave up nine points. Again, it was a weak offensive team. Let's not say that the, the Chiefs defense is the second coming now in the last two weeks that they've played really well. Not the case. But with the Patriots offense in shambles right now and the Chiefs getting healthy on the offensive line, and let's face it, they got weapons all over the field and they're healthy, it's going to be a track meet. And we'll see if uh, Stephon Gilmore and the Patriot defense can keep up with the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs in this game, and honestly, I don't think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be close. So I don't disagree with anything you said there. When, when I look at this game, uh, it is nothing but what can the Chiefs offense do against the Patriots defense. And I, I mentioned when Buffalo played the Patriots, it, it was a very close game. We The Bills lost because of a block punt. But as far as shutting down the offense, they were able to do that. As far as moving the ball against the Patriots, they were successful at points, but not all the way. And I bring that up as a reference point because we've seen time in and time out now, teams that have played the Patriots, if you have had average to mediocre or below offenses, the Patriots have shut you down. But when you have a, a dynamic offense, the Patriots have been in big trouble. Big trouble. We saw that against Houston. Deshaun Watson carved them up. We saw that against Baltimore, right, with Lamar Jackson, the way they were able to move the ball. Well, now they're facing Kansas City, right? That's no slouch. Mahomes looks healthy again. You saw him scrambling and moving around. He looks healthy, so he'll be able to move in the pocket. You have Kelsey. He looks healthy. Tariq Hill shows no, no ill effects from uh, the injury that he had, whether it's the hamstring or the groin that pulled him out. You have a healthy LaShawn McCoy. You have, you know, healthy running backs and, and everybody else. So now I look at this and I say, the Chiefs have all their weapons back. They're ready to go. You this can say, yeah, you can say literally they're getting healthy at the right time. Absolutely. And this is a team last year that was putting up 40 something points a game. The Patriots aren't going to be able to hang with 40 points a game. You know, at, at best, they may hope to hold the Patriots, or I'm sorry, hold the Chiefs to, yeah, what, 28, 20, 20, 24? But that means that we're saying that Tom Brady and that offense is going to have to put up 24 points, and I don't see it. I don't see it. Just like, and again, if coaches are watching what's happening, you just copy the good, right? This is a copycat league. What did Romeo Cornell and what did the Houston Texans do? They doubled Julian Edelman. 
and then they kept uh, a safety and sometimes a slot corner on James White. And they said, okay, we got these two taken care of. Beat us with everybody else. And they could. They showed a stat for the most punts to date in the season. And at that point, the Patriots were behind two other teams. Do you know who one of those teams was, Stevie D? New York Jets. That's correct. <laughs> but they surpassed them because they kept punting the ball, three and outs. You know, and, and they can't do that. And so now when they take on this Chiefs team, it, it, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly real quick. And those talks of trying to bring back Antonio Brown, that might be real. We, no, we might get to a point where they're going to hit the panic button. Think about this. Just, uh, he, Antonio just, Brown came back out and said something negative against the, the against the Patriots again. Um, but weekend, but and, but think about this: where they would go for something. Think about this: the Patriots have had supremacy in the AFC for the longest time, definitely to the Bills, who have been really the doormat of the AFC East. Right? Buffalo is playing Baltimore. The Patriots are playing the Chiefs. If I was to look at both of those games and I'd say who has a chance to win, not just because I'm a Bills fan, but the Bills have a greater chance to win over New England having a chance to win over over Kansas City. All of a sudden, what happens? That puts Buffalo a leg up on that division. And just like we saw with with the Seattle game, the Seahawks win on Monday night. The 49ers lose. The 49ers drop to the number five seed in the conference or in in the conference. The same thing can be said for the Patriots. All of a sudden, the Patriots are looking up at Buffalo with Buffalo coming there in two in two weeks after that. That could be that could be the icing on the cake the Bills need to wrap up the AFC East. If put the Patriots, yes, they'll be in the playoffs, but they will not be a division winner. That that's not what they're used to. Big moves. They have to make a big move, especially if they lose this game. I like the Chiefs. So we're both in agreement on the Chiefs. I, I'm going to make uh, not at all the picks are in in the conversation. My know what my thought was when the Texans won on Sunday night. Um, when the Yankees and I'm changing sports here, but when the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks, Buster only uh, a writer and a guy who used to cover the Yankees. He wrote a book, The Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty, when the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks. And it was telling because the Yankees went on a streak of eight years without winning a World Series after they lost to the Diamondbacks in 2001. And I look at this game against the Texans, right? Bill O'Brien has never beaten Bill Belichick. Right. Bill O'Brien's team beat the Patriots Sunday night. I mean, they beat them bad. Yes, they, they came back late, but it was garbage time to make the game somewhat look close. Like, if you didn't look watch the game and say, ooh, what a good game, that must have been. It wasn't a good game. When you think of the game that night, it was great for the Texans, but it, it was it was a one-sided match all game long. And I look at that as, yes, the receivers are immature, but there were some things about Tom Brady, it just, it, it just doesn't seem right. And I look at that game and I say, is this – the, the last night of the, of the Patriots dynasty, right? Now they go into this game against the Chiefs. They lose this game. Buffalo wins their game. Now you got a tie for first place. Technically, New England's ahead because they won head to head. 
right? Then all of a sudden, Buffalo wins that division. I'm not talking about the Patriots just going down to five, but you know, you could see the Patriots maybe a four to five loss team and getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. And I could see Tom Brady saying, Look, my offensive line is not where it needs to be. We got no receivers. And is it possible that Tom Brady retires at the end of the season? Oh, yeah, a little bit of bold prediction right there. But look, Father Time, it it catches up to everybody. Yeah, I want to play until I'm 45, 46. At the end of the day, do the the Patriots have the offensive line and, and the playmakers to keep Tom Brady? Well, that's all I'm saying. I, let 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 me let me add to that. Here, here's a question for you. Great, great, great point. Does he retire? Do the Patriots opt to not re-sign him? He he's been signing these one-year deals now for the no, last couple of years. Well, I and I think, but when you think about it, the part that I didn't get out of, out of my mouth that I wanted to say, um, is when you think of Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon. Um, and you look at some of the receivers, um, they they traded for Mohamed Sanu, but there was another wide receiver. I feel like Gronkowski retires. Mm-hmm. And you think of the weapons that come come gone since last year alone. Gronk retires. You trade Josh Gordon. You sign and then cut Antonio Brown after one game. And he's saying to himself, you guys are not giving me anything. Right? We had the trainer issue a couple of years ago. Um, you had some other little little digs there that the, the foundation was cracking. I'm not saying Bill Belichick is trying to get rid of Tom Brady, right? Because Belichick runs that team. It's just something just seems odd in New England. And could be could this be the year that Tom Brady says, you know what? Screw this. I, I'm out. And we've seen breakups before in the NFL. We've seen it before with teams. Egos get in the way. I'm just saying, I, I think Tom Brady's going to say, you know what? I got no line. You got me no wide receivers. They're trying, but I, I need more. And I, I could see him hanging it up at the end of the year and say, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy my, my wife and my family and all my millions and be revered in Boston, and I'm out. I could see it. I could, I could see it, After what I'm seeing the last couple of weeks, I could see it. I could see it, too. Well, Stevie D., it's it's time to segue over to the official word sports fantasy football league. I don't have much for you, Stevie D, except for Team Young Guns. Team Young Guns, baby. Dominating performance. Are you in the playoff? Uh no. No. All right. What what why don't we talk about the teams that actually are making the playoffs? Because we'll be able to talk about them later. CVD, we can talk about our teams right now because oh i don't want to talk about my team <laughs> i told you i got fired i'm not even tracking my team no more i got fired you know we actually it, one last thing on team young guns guys if you would have just performed like this during the rest of the season we would be the ones with the asterisk next to our name guess who has the asterisk dvd that's not me jb well, is he nine and four? JB is nine and four. Welcome to the Astra Club, JB. You know yeah. that there's nothing else. There's nothing else to say. Just congratulations. He talked the talk and walked the walk, and he's nine and four. He came on the show, 
and he said it. He told me, he's like, who's got Mahomes? I said, I do. He goes, you won't, you won't do anything with Mahomes as your quarterback. He was right there. Got to give it to JB. So we're going to have to get JB on the show at least next week to talk about his run for the playoffs now. Uh, definitely getting the asterisk. That That's huge. That is huge. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say, though, about the league is that we have four or five teams that are still trying to clinch a playoff berth with one week to go. So that that's really good. Then there's the other five teams that are uh, in our position, CBD, where I guess we're we're waiting for next year's draft. Well, I told you I got fired, so the heck with them. They don't know what they're you doing. You can't get fired. I was in a rebuild. I was in a rebuild and I get fired. You, you can't get fired. You keep saying that. You, you can't get fired. I mean, if you're fired, you're not coming back next year. That's right. <laughs> the co-host of the league has been kicked out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get suspended. Oh. <laughs> For I bet against my team. I bet <laughs> against <gambling>. my team. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a long season. It's been a painful season for some, but we'll see what happens. All I will say is that I was so happy about my team knocking off the first place team because now that really mixes things up and it makes it exciting. The only other thing that, you know, I love talking about team young guns. If we were not to go by the actual division record or the actual win loss record, just go by the division record. Team young guns would be sitting in second place right now with a five and three record. We dominated in the division. It's when we started to play the other division that we just got something handed to us. Oh, and by the way, Sean, uh, pretty much you can get a Z next to you, the Daily Stalic. Just wow. putting it out there. He oh, yeah. Oh, one and six in the division, six and seven overall. Ooh. It's over. It's over. Wow. And Sean wanted to talk all that junk about Team Young Guns. You were there, Stevie D. You heard yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was. We need to get Sean back on as well. So, Stevie D, it was a great show. Always love talking about my Buffalo Bills. Great victory on Turkey Day. And now we're ready for the the big matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. If we win this, is this a signature win, Stevie D? Oh, absolutely. I'll be believing. You along with the rest of America, and well, actually, the the rest of the world, because I keep telling you we're international, baby. It's Stevie D. <laughs> I gotta tell you this before before we hang up <laughs> and finish with this podcast. <laughs> Here I am driving to a local grocery store. You know, I'm rocking, I'm repping the 716. I got I got my Bills hat on, I, I got my Bills shirt on. This is normal attire, people. Let's get this known. This is normal attire. As I'm walking into the store, I see this guy walking out with his son. What does he have? Bills Mafia. Like, oh, you from Buffalo? No, I'm from Long Island. Oh, <laughs> he's born and raised in Buffalo. <laughs> oh no. I keep telling you, we're international. We're every everywhere you look, you will see Buffalo Bills. And now that they're doing well, yeah, everywhere you look, people are starting to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, even my boy, the fans. Even my boy who called me, he grew up in Buffalo, always a hater. Always a hater. He, he calls me the other day. Hey, did you see our boys? 
Like, wait, who? <laughs> who are you talking about? Oh, yeah, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon, but hey, we got room. Come on, come on, enjoy the ride. So, Stevie D, as we always like to say, you can check us out uh, at officialwordsports.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Real OW Sports. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, Anchor FM. CBD, it was a great show. I enjoyed it. Always enjoyed kicking it, chopping it up with you. Absolutely. So we will wrap this one up. I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon.